I'm Rebecca Moffitt, president of Vanguard Charitable and your host of our podcast, The Value in Giving. Welcome to the third part of our Maximizing Your Charitable Impact mini-series. Last episode, we spoke with Liz Sessler, Chief Operating Officer at CapShift, about how you can maximize your charitable impact with creative giving vehicles such as recoverable grants. Today, we're discussing different approaches to evaluating charitable organizations. With all of the available resources about nonprofits, what should donors look for? Today, we'll discuss how donors can determine which resources are best for them and how to evaluate whether a nonprofit aligns with their own charitable purpose and goals. Joining me is Jacob Harold, Executive Vice President at Candid and former President of GuideStar. In 2019, Foundation Center and GuideStar joined forces to become Candid, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Through research, collaboration, and training, Candid connects people who want to change the world to the resources they need to do it. Candid's data tools on nonprofits, foundations, and grants are the most comprehensive in the world. Jacob, welcome. Rebecca, it's great to be in conversation with you and to be wrestling with this this tough but essential topic for, for donors today. Well, we are just thrilled to have you here. So thank you so much for giving us your time today. You know, let's start, Jacob, by helping our listeners understand exactly what Candid does and its overall mission. Sure. So Candid's mission is to get you the information you need to do good. And when we formed Candid between uh, in 2019 with the merger of GuideStar and Foundation Center, we wrestled for a long time with figuring out how do we distill it into just a handful of words. But it does turn out that it's it's not a simple thing to get people the information they need to do good, and that's what we'll be talking about today. We've had some success. There are about 24 million um, visitors to our, our web tools each year. Um, so there are, there are a lot of folks who are tapping into the resources that we've put together. And then importantly, we have partnerships with platforms um, across the sector, including Vanguard Charitable. Um, and we can talk about that a bit today as well. So we have multiple strategies. We think we've made great progress, but we still have a ways to go. And this is the kind of puzzle that um, that one doesn't solve immediately, but you continue to work on over the years and try and get better uh, and better. So Jacob, that's really helpful. You know, what types of information about nonprofits are out there? I'll even zoom back a little bit and talk about different types of information that are relevant for doing good in the world. There's information about the issue say homelessness? What are the homelessness rates in different communities? There's information about the interventions. What do you do to address a social problem? Then there's information about organizations, who's actually doing those interventions. And then there's information about resources. Where is money going to support these organizations to do this thing to try and address this social problem? But to focus in on um, on our bread and butter of organizational information, especially as it plays out for individual donors, this information is spread throughout the sector in databases, in file cabinets, in people's minds. And so a lot of our challenge is to bring it all together. But I will mention two particularly important sources of, of information. There are others that we can talk about as well. The first are the tax forms that nonprofits are required to file with the IRS in the US, the Form 990, which is a remarkable document full of data about nonprofits. It varies by organizational size. There are some challenges with it, which we can talk about, but it provides a fundamental foundation for understanding 
nonprofits. And the bulk of the data that we have comes from these forms that we've collected over the decades and which we have often gone through the painful process of hand keying in um, forms that are provided as paper files, also organizing the data that we're able to get digitally, coding it, creating tools to make it searchable, et cetera, et cetera, trying to turn this giant stack of tax forms into meaning that actually can be useful to folks. The challenge with this data is that it's a tax form. And I know I wouldn't want my story as a human being told only by my 1040, just like a nonprofit wouldn't only want their story told by a tax form. It's a great start, but if we stop there, we're only gonna get a limited picture of, of nonprofits. That's why we invite nonprofits to come to our site and share additional information that's more current, but also asking different kinds of questions beyond the financial and governance questions uh, that you would see on a tax form to questions like, what are you trying to accomplish? How do you think you're going to get there? What's happened so far? What are the metrics that you use to measure your own progress against your mission? And we pull all of that together and organize it and try and present it in a way that is as useful uh, as possible. Jacob, that is an incredible amount of work to pull all of that information together. And um, I will say, I remember that the days of working with Candid when I remembered that the full team was double keying that information into the system. The organization has come an incredible way to digitizing that information for donors use. So thank you for doing that. You know, help me understand what are some of the biggest challenges that you have with getting nonprofits to provide that information? If we start with that that first layer that comes from the tax forms, I've already mentioned that it's very valuable, but limited um, as, as one would expect from a regulatory document. Um, another challenge is that it tends to be out of date. A nonprofit will fill out their tax return the following year, then there's there are delays at, at, at the side of the IRS, the delays um, in the process, et cetera, et cetera. It can be a couple years um, out of date. That doesn't mean it's not valuable. A lot of nonprofits have relatively stable finances and stable governance. And so looking at their structure a couple years ago is still quite valuable for, for a donor. But we are all always looking for and we're getting used to having really current data. So one important aspect of getting uh, nonprofits to share data with us is just that it's more recent. Um, but then there's also the question of, well, what are you really trying to accomplish? And it turns out most nonprofits can answer that question in a general sense, but the process of having to type it down and enter it into a public database forces nonprofit staff to get aligned with each other, staff to get aligned with a board. And I can't say how many times I've been out in the field talking to a group of nonprofits and someone will come up to me afterwards and they'll say, the process of filling that profile was really hard for us. It took us longer than we expected. We didn't have the answers we thought we had, but it ended up being incredibly valuable because it created this alignment and clarity. Um, so, you know, we do hear from nonprofits this sort of sense of it's not exactly frustration, but it's an acknowledgement that's harder than I thought it would be. But it's usually followed up with, but it ended up being really useful. And I think this is a lesson about the nonprofit sector and giving in general, which is that we all can have an impulse to want to do good. We all can have a general sense of how to do that. But we're not often forced to be as clear about our logic as maybe would be good, maybe would help us be more effective. And so one of the benefits of this process that we put in place 
is we hope it's a compassionate and welcoming way to force nonprofits to bring that kind of clarity and alignment. Um, and then to share that with the world on their own terms. And one thing that's been really important for us is we're not telling nonprofits how to explain their own story. We're not telling them what metrics to measure, but we are saying, look, for us as Candid to be able to tell your story, you're gonna have to be clear about some of these basic things. What are you trying to accomplish? How are you gonna get there? What's happened so far? What do you measure? So this is a place where we're kind of proud to have created this work because we think it's actually quite valuable for nonprofits and we've heard many, many times from them that, that they agree. I can attest that the completion of the profile absolutely creates such a wonderful internal dialogue as you are thinking through how to answer the questions, um, the word choice in order to best describe your story. Um, we have found incredible value in that process every year. So I can absolutely attest that it is work, but it is incredibly valuable work. What types of information should donors look for when they're searching for an organization that aligns with their charitable purpose? So, I mean, this is the billion dollar or maybe the trillion dollar question. And, and th there is no simple answers, but I'll offer a few frameworks and ways of thinking that maybe can help help donors. If I had to bring it down to a single word for nonprofits to look for, it would be clarity. That the nonprofit is articulating in a clear way, a goal and a way of getting there. If I had to pick a second word, it would be humility, that nonprofits are showing that they may not have all the answers, but they are willing to learn and change and get feedback from their constituents or their partners or the world around them. And that that tension between clarity and humility is where learning happens. Um, and if you see an organization that has been brave enough to be clear about their approach and humble enough to be willing to continue to listen and learn, then that's a really really good sign. Um, so that, that's where I would start. But we can back up even more from that and think about how do we get this sense of alignment? And there are some questions that a donor can ask that are not questions about quality. They're just questions about, is this what I want to do? So let me explain. For example, if you are in Chicago and you really care about the city of Chicago, you may want to narrow your search geographically. Um, that is a common approach. It's not necessary. I would argue that a human life in, um, you know, in Topeka or in Dallas is equal just as much to one in, in Chicago. But if a donor feels a particular connection to a place that is a very legitimate filter, um, the filter of issue area is another one that I think is very legitimate. We've at times said, pick an issue with your heart and pick an organization with your head. Um, now we can talk later about how there are those who say, actually, you can pick issues with your head too, um, and that there are rational ways to decide, ah, should I work on climate change or homelessness? Um, but I do not blame donors who say, look, this is just what I care about, and this is the place that I care about. So I think starting with that, that sense of filtering is important. There are other types of filters that can be valuable as well. A filter like size, some donors are just more attracted to a small community-based organization, and they might argue, and I think fairly, that organization is closer to the problem. It's going to be better positioned to create lasting change. Other donors are going to say, I want the big organization that has history and economies of scale and systems that allow it to create impact 
um, at, a, at a whole other level. Both of those are, are I think, quite legitimate. So you might want to filter by size. Um, some donors want to filter by age. They're looking for the new organization that is fresh and has a new approach. Others are looking for the venerable organization that's been around for a long time. Now, on all of these different axes that we've talked about, it's not necessarily a question of quality. It's really a question of preference. You know, what do you as a donor want to do? So I would start with that. And then, you know, you can move on to these questions of quality. And we talked about one proxy for that is clarity. Um, and you can make a judgment. Is this um, profile of this organization that we can see on Candid or through the Vanguard Charitable interface or through a number of other interfaces, does it show to me this is an organization that's clear about how they're going to achieve good in the world? Um, and another proxy that we find very valuable is transparency. That those organizations that are willing to share more information, in general, I think that's correlated with their effectiveness. It indicates a sense of confidence in an approach, also a willingness to share and be open, um, and that you've that this organization has gone through the process of articulating what it is that it's trying to do. Um, and for that reason, we at Candid have a series of transparency seals that about 80,000 nonprofits have achieved one of these. There are different levels, bronze, silver, gold, platinum. And as you move up that chain, you get more and more information. So we would argue that those organizations have been willing to share and have achieved one of these seals, that that's a good starting place. That's no guarantee that it's a high quality organization, but it is another useful filter that we find many donors using um, and many platforms, many foundations as well will require at least one of these transparency seals as an indication that an organization is willing to say out loud what they're trying to do and sees themselves as part of a broader community where that kind of sharing of information can help make us all better. I love that. And I think it's important for our donors to know too that um, I believe that Candid also provides nonprofits with a seal image that they can also include on their website. And of course, it's their choice of whether they want to include that seal. And so if it's not on there, it doesn't mean that they don't have that seal, but it could be another place that you can go to to find what seal um, a nonprofit might have with Candid. That's right. And that's totally free to nonprofits, both to, to provide this information and if they earn a seal to, to share it as much as they, they want to. Let's say going back to your earlier context that geography is a piece of information that you can filter by. And so a donor knows the geography that they'd like to have an impact in, and they are specifically interested in cause area of homelessness. What are some data points that um, they should consider when they are evaluating the impact of that organization? I won't mention this specific chapter, but there's a chapter of Habitat for Humanity that has a particularly good profile. And it's a platinum level profile. It has the financial data, the governance data, but it also has descriptions of their strategies and some very interesting metrics. And I, I wanna flag some of the kinds of metrics you might see for an organization like Habitat, which is you know one of many different approaches uh, for addressing different challenges around housing you know, from homelessness to, you know, a whole variety of other dimensions of the housing uh, housing crisis. Um, and this particular Habitat chapter had one metric that really stuck out for me, which was it wasn't just how many folks have we housed. It was how many folks have we housed who are still in that home 
two years later. And that can seem like a subtle difference, but to me, it was quite a powerful indication that this chapter was thinking holistically about the experience of the families that they were building houses for, was providing support beyond just walls and a roof, was thinking long-term, um, and had engaged in um, a process of really thinking about what does long-term success look like in our community? Um, so when I see a Habitat chapter where their metrics are, how many volunteers do we have? That's good. That's something. How many houses have we built? That's better. But when you have that sense of not only do we build the house, but here's the lasting impact, that to me is, is what I look for. Um, and that to me indicates you've got an organization that really has their act together. And, you know, not every organization that has their act together will have necessarily shared all of those metrics. But, you know, those that do, I think a donor can feel a higher level of confidence that these dollars are going to be spent well in a way that has impact down the road. Jacob, one message that I'm hearing from everything that we're talking about is that this process is going to take time. And that is a good thing. It is a good thing for donors to take the time to understand these organizations, to um, dive in and sit with the various stories that they are describing about themselves so that they can connect with some of these data points. You, know, you were able to review this profile and something stuck out to you and you were able to um, really connect so much more with the story of that particular chapter. And I would love it if donors could take from this conversation that spending some time getting to know these nonprofits and sitting with these stories will help them to truly understand how um, their giving to that organization can maximize the impact that that organization can have. So I, I think that's absolutely right. And, and I'll add two, two nuances. First is that it's important, but it's also really interesting. Um, I mean, these are fundamental human questions about how do we serve our fellow humans um, and how do we do that well? And that if a donor cares about politics or history or art or sociology or psychology, the work of trying to identify a high-performing nonprofit is fundamentally quite interesting. With that said, I will also add, donors should not put the burden on themselves that they're going to get it right from the beginning. And that the most important thing is to just get started. For example, a donor that you know maybe has given to 10 organizations most years for the last several years, you could give to those exact same 10 organizations this year, but this year take the time to look at their profiles and take the time to say, oh wait, this one I've been giving to is actually really more impressive. I wanna weigh more of my dollars towards them. Or this one actually doesn't really seem like they have their act together. I'm going to send them a little note um, or I'm going to just, you know, reduce my gift to them so that I can rebalance uh, my portfolio over to this organization that seems to be so uh, extraordinary. Um, and then, you know, the next year you can rebalance and then the year after you might find new ones. And so th this is hard enough that one thing we, we want to make sure we don't do is sort of overwhelm donors with the expectation of perfection from the beginning because multi-billion dollar foundations from Gates to Ford to Hewlett, where I used to work, they don't get it all get it right all the time either with a staff in the hundreds full of PhDs and practitioners. There still has to be a process of learning 
Um, and so the most important thing is to get started with at least, you know, some lens of excellence that you're applying to, uh, to the organizations that you're giving your money to. I will add to this another dynamic that I think is important, which is we want to pick organizations that are high, the highest performing because we believe that some are truly deserving of that additional attention and resource and celebration. Once we've done that, we have put trust in them. And I think we need to give them the flexibility to use that money as they see fit. So I would argue in general, there are exceptions that once you've decided to give to an organization, you should not put additional constraints on them. Um, if you don't trust them with your money enough to give them the freedom to use it, then you probably shouldn't give them money at all. Um, so for that reason, you know, I, I, we strongly suggest where possible to, uh, to, to not put those restrictions uh, on. And it, it gets to this balance of trust, of looking for those organizations that truly deserve trust and then giving it to them. Well, Jacob, I believe that our donors are absolutely listening to you. I was just reflecting on some um, data from this calendar year, and we are at an all-time high of grants going for unrestricted purposes. Nearly 50% of all dollars are completely unrestricted to the organizations that has been increasing year over year. And I think shows exactly what you just said, that they are putting the full trust in the organization to apply those dollars where they see fit. And I believe that having access to all this wonderful information has helped our donors to reach that milestone of continuing to increase their giving in an unrestricted manner. We've heard similar trajectories from other partners. Hopefully that's a signal that this information that is, is flowing around is making a difference, not just in the choices, but but even in the sort of moral, emotional relationship between donor and recipient. Um, so that gives me hope about the long-term health of the, the field as a whole. Absolutely. The one other thing I thought I would add is, I loved your comment about it's important to get started. And the wonderful role that Candid plays in getting started is in making it easy to get started. And so as a Vanguard charitable donor, you know, we provide access to the Candid nonprofit directory um, within the donor experience. And that provides our donors with such incredible, easy filters to get started. And I just think that you know, that's an important thing to note that while it does take time to get to know these organizations, it doesn't take a lot of time to get started. And you have provided an interface um, that we're able to provide to our donors that really helps to efficiently kick off that process. And we see that as so much more powerful when it is integrated to the transactional experience, where the the learning and information gathering experience is is sort of part of one experience with the actual, I'm going to click the button and send this grant. That's so much more powerful than what you know other donors We'll go to GuideStar over here, and then you know, then they'll go over to you know their bank and over here or the nonprofit's website, and it's just a more disjointed experience. So this is potentially, I think, one of the real powers of the donor advised fund model, is integrating the information into the transactional experience. Um, you know, we still all have work to do to continue to make that easier, um, and more meaningful and more comprehensive. But it is, um, to me, a, you know, again, a sign of hope that we're moving in the right direction as a field. 
Jacob, what are some tips that you can provide to philanthropists who are looking to make an impact now and in the future, but they just don't know where to start? The key is to get started with something. And so, you know, to offer a couple of ideas, you know, a donor could go to guidestar.org, which is Candid's primary tool with data on nonprofits, and use that to, um, to just filter by geography, by issue area, by size, to begin to get that subset that felt a little bit more manageable. Um, you also could look at tools like Navi, the nonprofit aid visualizer that uh, that Vanguard Charitable put together. That's navi.vanguardcharitable.org, um, which is issue specific. It's not yet comprehensive to all issues, but looks at a number of, of key issues and provides new ways of visualizing this sort of experience. Um, so you could start with those. There are two ways you could look at it. You could just filter down to a subset according to some of these um, dimensions that are important to you. The other thing you could do is you could just look at the organizations you've given to before and see what information is available about them. And then, you know, take year one as a learning year and then year two can be um, a rebalancing year. I love that. And I know that I am biased, but I'm so grateful that you brought up the nonprofit aid visualizer. And for those who are listening, it is a free tool. It is on our website for everyone to use. And it is a great starting place. It has a wonderful experience. Um, the latest version is focused on hunger and homelessness for those listeners who are interested in that cause area. And it provides a number of different filters and can absolutely start you on this research journey to understanding a bit more about some of these organizations. So thanks for raising that. To close us out today, I would be really interested in what long-term trends that you see with data and information resources with philanthropy. So, you know, I'll mention one that is, you know, very live for us right now at Candid, which is is the use of of machine learning and web scraping to get more current data. Um, I earlier mentioned the two sort two primary sources of data for us are the tax files, uh, tax documents that nonprofits file, and the self-report information they provide. There is a third which is we have built algorithms that overnight, each night, read about 100,000 newspaper articles and pull out the approximately 1,000, a little bit more that are about the social sector, and then pull from that very, very up-to-date data. Now, it's not comprehensive, but it does allow us to catch that big grant or that big executive transition or that big merger that may have happened and immediately uh, and automatically get that into our database. And then similarly, to use all the data we have historically as what's called a training set to train an algorithm to recognize, oh, this is a grant about hunger and homelessness. Oh, this is an advocacy approach. This is a general operating support grant and be able to code that so it's easier to find. So, you know, these sorts of technologies, they have to be responsibly used. Um, We have to think through some of the implications of relying on past data to analyze and make sense of new information. Um, but it does offer us the possibility of bringing in data from more sources much faster in a much richer way. Um, and I hope that this can really enrich the experience of donors. We think about the last couple of years when we've had issues like coronavirus come out of nowhere, or we've had issues like racial equity that have been with us for many decades, but rose to a new level of prominence. That kind of immediacy is is important for philanthropy right now. And if we're relying only on documents that are a couple of years old, we're not gonna be able to capture that. Um, so to me, it, it, it offers the hope, and again, just the hope, that 
as a field, we're going to be able to evolve our approach uh, in a way that will kind of catch up to the the rapid pace of of society right now. I'll put the flip side on that, though, which is we also have to recognize that a lot of the challenges we face are truly long term. A challenge like structural racism, a challenge like climate change. These are multi-decade challenges that we we aren't going to solve in one year. Um, and that's another lesson for donors is not to expect that their check, however big it may be, is not going to solve the problem. But their check may be a meaningful step in the right direction. And that if we are serious about building a better world, we've got to play a long game. Um, and that long game requires us, again, to have the clarity of where we want to get and the humility to evolve and learn uh, along the way. Jacob, thank you so much for your time today. I learn so much from you every time we have a conversation, and I am so grateful for that. For more information, visit candid.org. Candid has been an incredible partner to not only Vanguard Charitable, but to so many philanthropists who are looking to maximize their impact, and their website provides a wealth of information. Be sure to subscribe to the Value of Giving podcast. Thank you very much.